Hello there. Do you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. You call for assistance? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You don't know the power of the dark side. You were the chosen one! All your life you've been in a cage, Padawan. When you're ready. We would be honored if you would join us. They may be primitive, but the Sith Purebloods are worthy of respect. Not only for their skill with the dark side, but also for their hunger for war. The Zuggeruk caste has built siege engines that has even developed technologies that can tear apart a star's hearts. However, most warfare within Sith space occurs when the combatants can lock gazes before trading blows. Their death-dealing tools are as admirable for their craftsmanship as for their lethality. Hello there and welcome. This is Star Wars Galactic Archives. I am your hosting guide, Darth Dragus. Today we continue our trek through the history of the Sith, more importantly the reign of the Axe. So jump on your speeder bike and let's get started. Now in our episode about Korriban, we went over the characters of the Sith and the society that was in there. We've been covering that over the last few episodes. Today we're going to get into the actual weapons of the Sith. Now we're not going to jump yet to the lightsabers because those aren't really quite a thing yet. But in the ancient society of the Sith, there was actual weapons that the Sith species would use. Now, I made up a list here to try to break it all down for you, but believe it or not, the different castes within the Sith society actually had a variety of weapons. Now, they're not limited to this list, but these are the most noticeable and distinguishable. Now, the first of these weapons would be the Sith Sword. Now, this would mirror the swords of the Jedi, or the Jedi used on Tython. Those heavy, two-handed swords could deflect plasma blasts and later prove to stand against even lightsabers. Now, it is of note that these Sith swords, while they're huge and bulky stance to them, the Masasi were large enough and strong enough to be able to wield them and use them with just one hand. Now, secondly, we have the Sith War Sword. This is a little bit different than the Sith Sword. While a Sith Sword would be more on the lines of just like a regular two-handed sword, a Sith War Sword, this two-bladed staff required a lot of skill to wield and was not for the crude soldier. This was for the more finesse in using it, as it were. It is suggested that the weapon would lead to both the Force Pikes and the dual-bladed lightsaber in future years. 
Next we have the Larang, a boomerang-style short sword that when used would return to its wielder's hand when attacking their foe unless it got stuck in a skull. Now, this would be used for medium-range fighting. You could kind of assassinate one-on-one -on -one individuals from a distance. When you got up closer, it was used more like slashing or a reaper-style motion, but you would eventually have to go to your regular Sith sword for the one-on-one -on -one combat. It was watching this thing fly through the air and return to its user. It was just that fear that would inspire individuals to just flee from it, just to run in terror. Now, if we move along to the more sophisticated weapons, we would have the Shikar, a assassin's blade. Now, this can be as long as your forearm, yet it is slender enough to be concealed in Sith robes. It was... It had a handle that when twisted would easily snap the blade, leaving it off in the victim to let the blade fester beneath the skin. So while it was effective for close combat, you're talking about something that when it was used, it was mainly or more than likely dipped in poison, but it could, you weren't gonna use this for like one-on-one -on -one sword fighting battles, but you would slip the blade in under a rib cage and not not to be too graphic but the point was to get the blade in snap it that way they couldn't get the blade back out once you were stabbed with it that's it if the poison wasn't going to get you the blade itself just being left in there was going to and then that brings us up to our next weapon would be sith poison itself now this would range from basics to extravagance to include but not limited to giving just the individual pain paralysis, death, or what's known as a blood frenzy, making an individual go almost to the point of insanity just from a fever and just the constant emotional torment that they would go through due to Sith poisons. Now, one notable exception is poisons must be routinely modified. Now, this is because Sith's anatomy is very strong and adaptable to immunities, so a Sith poison that would work one century very quickly over time would become null and void and their bodies would be able to just, it wouldn't bother them anymore. Remember, Sith have two hearts, so their body filters their blood very, very quickly, so the body's able to rejuvenate and heal very quickly and just like adapt to a lot of things. Now, one weapon that we did leave out out of here is the battle axe. Now, there's different reports that some of the battle axes had crystals embedded into them, just like the Jedi swords and the Sith swords that would emulate the force and help power them back up. Some of them were just a basic battle sword. You want to keep in mind, though, that this was just your big, I don't want to say clumsy, but just your big brute for strength axe. Just imagine a medieval axe, very broad teeth on it that when swung, you were going to create a lot of just chaos. This weapon's going to be important today. Now, remembering that the Sith are a violent, not completely barbaric people, that they did have their castes, they had their different sections within their society but they were not yet a unified people. These tribes, they fought, and it was constant conflict everywhere. But like any people, when trouble comes, 
the people gathered together. So in the waning years of 28,000 BBY, a Sith male would be born to the planet of Korriban. This would be known as Adas. He would be born at least 3,000 years before the formation of the Galactic Republic. Now, due to his charcoal-colored pigmentation of his skin, which was unusual for the red-skinned Sith, remember we talked about them being in varied colors, shading from gray to red to a palish pink color, Adas was considered a chosen being, and from very early on was raised as such during his youth. Now, as he grew older, he grew to be substantial in size and displayed great intelligence in skill and in combat. Adas was also particularly adept into the use of Sith magic. He encased himself in a suit of spiked ebony armor and was armored with an oversized alchemy forged battle axe. Remember, I told you we were going to bring this axe into this episode today. Now, come 28,000 BBY, Adas took his axe to his fellow Sith in a series of brutal conflicts, eventually uniting and consolidating the desperate nations and tribes of his homeworld. Now, it's interesting to notice that the Sith noticed there was something different with Adas right off the bat. We could say this was divine providence, we could say this was his destiny, or the Sith could have created their own ruler because not everyone got this special treatment. He got better skills, he grew to an enormous size. Was that just the force leading him? Was that the force creating? Was it at the destiny? Or was it that individual Saul, this being born of a different color, pulled him out of the pot, trained him, worked him, and pretty much created their own king. We could argue that till the cows come home. I'll leave that to you guys. But in so doing with what Adas did with bringing the tribes together, Adas became the undisputed ruler and king of Korriban for the first time. All of the tribes, we weren't fully connected yet, but he was creating challenges. He was tempting... Um, champions to fight him to prove his metal his worth that way he could be a ruler now the general perception held by his people was that he would live forever with a reign for eternity and he came to be revered as a god the period of his rule became known as the reign of the axe and over time adas was given another moniker of sithari now, we're going to stop right in here, and what's a Sathari? So by definition, Sathari means lord or overlord, but now over time, due to King Adas, it would come to mean the idea of a perfect being. It would come to fruition to be a prophesized to be one who would rise to the power and control of the Sith. We will get more into this later in this episode. But... Adas, due to his early training, his, well, more than bet, extra feeding, just extra care that he got, he was a very powerful individual. The battle axe that most individuals used was so huge that it took two hands to wield it. King Adas specifically used 
two types of weapons. He used the battle axe, which he would use one in each hand. This is how imposing this figure was. While everyone else was using a battle axe and only using two hands to hold just one, he was using one in each hand. Now, later on, we'll also find out that he eventually started using one of the four swords that he would acquire from the Rakata. So it would come to happen that when Adas was 300 years old, the Rakatid soldiers of the Infinite Empire would move against Korriban. We covered this in our first episode of the Rakata, where they went out and they were enslaving world after world. Now, at first, the aliens taught King Adas how to record his essence into a device called a holocron, in attempt to lull the Sith ruler into their confidence, putting his newfound knowledge to use. Adas created his own holocron, although the device became more of a testament to his accomplishments than a teaching device. Eventually, though, the Rakata were more blatant in their actions and attempted to conquer the Sis using the Force-based technology. It, they were trying to sneak their way in. We'll teach you this knowledge, we'll give you this tool and just let us come into your society. They saw how raw and rough the Sith were as a people. They knew they were going to have a lot of difficulty trying to win the society over in hand-to-hand -hand combat. With the weapons we went over, with their society, their brute force, and their just mentality all around, the Sith were from a very early age just a very dominant and imposing figure. So why don't we just you catch more flies with honey? slide our way in. This is what we have here. We have a holocron. It records information. You can teach individuals. You're a new king. Why, why don't we give this to you? Now it is, now we covered this before in the Though Your episode. I think it's interesting that the Sith and the Jedi both have holocrons, but they have two different styles. You have the square one cube of the Jedi, and even the Jedi used it early on. And you have the Sith that use the pyramid shape. At some point, you do wonder if the Rakata came into contact with the Thoyor, that they at least saw it or knew of it. Because the Sith holocrons are the half-cut diamond-esque. They're the pyramid-shaped holocrons. Those are interesting to know that... They, they had to learn that design from somewhere. Now, why didn't the Jedi use this? Don't know. But the galactic symbol is a remnant from the Thoyor. So you do have pieces of history that slip into it and follow throughout time. I just think that's really interesting that the Rakata taught the Sith how to make these holocrons and they had this pyramid-style shape. Where did they get the shape from? Why was this shape important to them? Just a little... Just a little thought. So now after a period of time, the Rakata would become fed up with the diplomacy. They, they had had enough. Adas, while he was a very charismatic and imposing figure, he wasn't bending to their will the way they wanted him to. They meant to put this little virus in to manipulate and control him and to get the Sith people to give them what they wanted was slaves, technology, resources, and it just wasn't happening. So they were done. Get your force weapons and we're going to fight these Sith species. Now, Adas's forces gathered in a large army on the fields of Korriban to face the invading Rakata. 
who they landed their ships as the king's soldiers chanted their leader's name. When when Adas took the field, when he roared, it was a mixture of it got down into your soul, that raw primeval rage that if you were against him, you ran in fear, just the ferocity of it. But if you were for him, if you were loyal to him and you were a part of his group, his roar just rallied the people to the battle. So in the end, the Sith were more than able to defend themselves, and Adas, refusing to tolerate the Rakata's actions even in his advanced age, led his people to the overwhelming defense of Korriban. Now, he participated in the punitive action, driving back the invaders with his massive axe and killing dozens of Rakatan warriors. In the process, he captured the Rakatan starships and turned them against the invaders. Adas's forces pushed on from Korriban and reached Zoist, Malachor V, and Tund. However, in securing what he hoped would be the future of a freedom for his people and an expansion of his kingdom, Adas would perish. He would die. Now, it is of some note to know that Adas was both a monarch and a god to his people. And during the end of his reign, Adas was given the title of Sithari. That's what we talked about here earlier. About being a perfect being. He would set the bar for what would become a prophecy in later years. Now, he was known as a fierce combatant and a respected, though inflexible, ruler. Adas was still feared millennia after his death. He preyed on the timid, enslaved those he considered foolish, executed idealists, and was highly diverse of the weak. His essence, recorded in a holocon, would refuse to pass on its teachings to anyone it did not deem worthy. We had similarities referenced to this by Darth Bane in the first book, where he talks about that Sith Lords, you could go to Korriban possibly and get into some teachings that the Dark Lords wouldn't have taught to everyone because they didn't deem the individual worthy. The recipient wasn't of their same mindset and they felt that the information wasn't for them. This is where this originated from because Adas himself would only teach certain individuals and he would only teach them certain things. Now, initiates such as Novar were granted access to Adas's teachings. Now, the Sith King's essence, though, would threaten anyone who dared fail him. If he taught you, you needed to live up to his expectations. You need to meet the bar of where he sat. And if, he, if you didn't, you were going to pay the price for it. Now, when challenged by rival warriors, Adas would kill them and drink their blood soup. This was a very uh, ritualistic thing that was done with many Sith, but slowly after time, not as many individuals did it. Just like with any society, some, some historical practices die out, you become more modern. This was something Adas did. Could it have helped him physically? Is this what made him the bulky, intimidating uh, figure that we knew of? possibly could it have been used for intimidation purposes that's another one he possessed also a red bladed force saber now this was not a lightsaber this was a force saber now he would use this during combat and then he also wielded his double bladed axes um, carrying one in each hand <laughs> the force saber 
is different than the lightsaber. I'm not sure if I want to do an episode on that. I've been toying with the idea of having an episode just about the lightsaber. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Because there is a difference between a force saber, the early lightsabers, and just there, there's a variety. There's stages that it goes through. The Sith swords and the swords used of the Jedi Order was your, if you can think of just a basic medieval sword, and it had a crystal placed inside of it. The crystal helped draw in and emulate the force. That way it would strengthen the sword. Remember, in Sith society specifically, in the Sith species, the Sith culture, they used a lot of magic. They used a lot of alchemy. So they would create weapons, creatures that would just envelop the dark side of the force. Remember, we haven't gotten to the point of the Sith order yet. We're still as a Sith society, so this was a part of their culture. So getting a weapon and embedding it with the force wasn't new to them. However, the Rakata being a older civilization and just their technology is just vast of what they were able to accomplish over so many decades and decades. Their force sword, it not only was the very early stages of a lightsaber, but it's what the blueprint would be set from, what the beginnings of it would be. Because instead of just putting the crystal in now in the sword, like a Sith sword, now you had something that was actually glowing, that was emanating power from it. You could visually see this. So this is something that Adas, it was probably giving to him as a peace offering as another one of those little uh, viruses we could say of we'll give you the holocron information we'll, te we'll teach you how to make a holocron these swords that we use none of your people have this you're a ruler over your people Here here's a gift why don't you have this the ricotta didn't realize that you you have a people that are very ferocious and you have one leader so for the first time he has united his people together don't you think you may not want to give him all this stuff? They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to give this to you. You'll help us out. You'll be like us. You're above your people. They didn't realize or even think that King Adas had such a loyalty. Even though he was ruthless, he preyed on the weak, he did encourage slavery and all this and that, they did not realize to the intense loyalty to his culture and to his people that I am Sith, you will not defeat us. So yes, I will accept these gifts from you. I'm going to make a holocron myself. I'm going to take this four sword and then I'm going to come and destroy you. You're not going to take my world. So it's a, it's a dual edged sword for the Rakata that it was a way for them to slip in, but in the same token, it kicked them out of the planet because you overtecked a people that now what you were afraid of, you just caused yourself. Now, unfortunately, after King Adas's death, because of the Sith being the way they were, they had no king anymore. They had no great leader. So just like any society, when their king is gone, if you don't have a strong presence to fill in that void, that vacuum, 
the Sith society, the, the joined tribes slowly fell apart. You had constant infighting. They were able to hold off the Rakata. They were kicked off of Korriban. So that was a win. But in the end, you would have some very small, not huge or powerful kings, but you would have just very small niches again, and the tribes were no longer greatly unified. You had the Rakata. You had where the people pulled together. We have this rising leader who's uh, gathering us all up, and we have this force of invaders. So as together as a people, we'll stand against them, and we'll be able to hold them back. Once the problem's gone, and your leader's gone, what's the point? Why are we all together? What is our goal? So eventually, they would all break apart and fall apart as a people back to their tribes. So the Sith as a people would stay in these tribes and wouldn't join up again until the arrival of the Dark Jedi, and this wouldn't happen for thousands of years later. Now we mentioned that King Adas was referred to as a Sithari, known as the Overlord. Now there was a prophecy that would later come in to other Sith Lords or Sith at the time to reclaim that title. Now in an ancient Sith scroll, the Sithari prophecy goes like this. The Sithari will be free of limits. The Sithari will lead the Sith and destroy them. The Sithari will rise the Sith from death and make them stronger than before. Now, King Adas was known as the Sithari. And my question is, was he the only one? Now, some can argue that, yes, with what he did, he would be your only candidate for the Sithari. But... We're going to look at, very briefly, a few other candidates that follow, fall under that, that designation. Now, he was the first, so he was the standard. That's where the bar was set. Try to keep in mind what we covered of his mentality, his brute force, and all this and that. But at his time, since he was the first one, his was the Sithari for him was more like he was the overlord. He was the warlord of them all. He, they were setting their quote-unquote perfect being to him. What defies the perfect being? He's free of limits, and he will lead the Sith and destroy them. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We have a lot of people on this podcast that listen that are both young and old. My older listeners will know this right off the bat, that notably in the books, the Sathari is most notable to be Darth Bane, that he destroyed the Brotherhood of Darkness and he created the Rule of Two. Due to his storyline and his background, it is most accepted that Darth Bane was the prophesied Sathari. Um, he talks about it in his training when he's on Korriban that other individuals... While he's there, he he doesn't necessarily think he could be one, but there are some older teachers there that believe that he could be the Sathari that is prophesized. There's another student that Darth Bane actually goes into head-to-head combat with that a lot of his peers feel like he's the Sathari, not Bane, but this other individual. So 
it's not quite known who it's going to be. Now, like I said, Darth Bane destroys the Brotherhood of Darkness. He kills almost every single Sith there. Not himself and not his up-and-coming apprentice. That's where he creates then the Rule of Two. Now, other individuals that could be considered for this role is Darth Sidious, or Emperor Palpatine. He was a proclaimed Sithari. He, he accepted the rule of two at the beginning with his master, Darth Plagueis, but even Plagueis was trying to implement that we can't just keep doing this one-on-one. -on -one. This is Bane's teachings, this is our history, this is what we're doing, but we do need it as more of a whole. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get into that in a later episode. That, there's a lot in there. But Palpatine proclaimed himself as a Sithari. He, with trying to match that to the prophecy, he tried to destroy the rule of two, becoming a rule of one, that he was the overlord, that he was the perfect being, and he was just trying to create himself in that sense. He wasn't already that way on his own. He was trying to create himself as the perfect being. Another character that we could put up for argument would be Anakin Skywalker himself. Now, we go, well, Anakin, that was the Chosen One. He's not a Sithari. How much different is it of the Chosen One than the Sithari? The Chosen One is supposed to bring uh, balance, supposed to wipe out the Sith. He is supposed to, like, save the galaxy, and he's supposed to more or less be a perfect being. That's pretty much what the Sithari is. He destroys the Sith, and he rebuilds it. What did Anakin Skywalker do? He destroyed so many Sith, so many of the Empire with the destruction of the Death Star, but on the same token, he rebuilt at the same time. Again, these are just candidates. Now, another one that I'm putting forth myself would be Darth Malgus. He's one of my favorite Sith Lords. And at the time of the ascension of Darth Malgus, the Sith Empire was slowly becoming fragmented. You had the Empire of the Sith during his age, but there was so much infighting and so much political drama that Darth Malgus became known as a betrayer of the purebloods because during Darth Malgus's time, if you weren't a Sith species, the red skin, the uh, pink skin, remember, you weren't considered a pure blood, and you were looked down on to learn anything about the Sith ways of the Sith Order. You needed to be a pure blood to learn. If you weren't, you were looked down on and you were slaves. Uh, Twi'leks, Wookiees, like numerous species, even though they would show capability of the dark side, they would not learn it. They would not be taught it because you're not Sith. So that's not going to happen. Malgus became known as the betrayer because he was like, there's how many individuals that have the force? Why can't we bring them in? Our, our size, our force potential would be so much greater against the Jedi if you would allow all these in. He did within his lifetime reform the Sith Empire that eventually that would go away. That he would eliminate the ideals and the philosophy of it had to be pure bloods to allow all these different individuals in to create a stronger, more unified Sith Empire. Could that be a classification for Sithari? Again, this is just me putting it out there. 
who would you recommend? Who do you feel has the qualifications, the resume that could be a Sithari? Email me your thoughts. Let us know. Or just drop us a line and say hi. It is important to send an email though because I'm going to do a giveaway with the prints that you see done in the videos. If you go to our YouTube channel, we are doing a image every time with each one of these episodes. So email me. Tell me what you think for the recommendation for the Sathari. Leave us a comment about the episode. Get in contact with us. It's quick. It's simple. Our email is starwarsgalacticarchives at gmail.com. So send us an email, let us know what you think, and later on throughout this entire year, it is important to get those emails in because every so often I'm going to pick an email at random and I'm going to send you one of the prints that you see in the episodes. I'll try to get into contact with you and I, I think we'll do it right now that I'll let you pick which one you want. If I get too many, then it's just going to be a random print, but you can see the prints that we're doing both on our YouTube channel and our Instagram page, so be sure that you're following us on all of those that you can have a piece of the podcast in your own home. It'll be sent free of charge, just I've been working on these in my shop and I really like how they're coming out. So, with that, Star Wars Galactic Archives is an independent podcast written, edited, and produced by me, Darth Tragus. Now, do me a favor and force push that follow button and be sure to force choke that notification button so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us both on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. I'll leave all the links in the description. Be sure to follow, subscribe, and hit the notification so you don't miss a single one. Be sure to share the show with the force being next to you. I would really appreciate it and it would really help us grow. Until next time, I am Darth Tragus and may the force guide you.